Which way is that away? That way, towards the windshield. Towards the direction of the windshield. All right, Mo Salah is magic. He wears the magic hat. He used to play for Chelsea, but they are fucking crap. Then he went to Roma, and this is what he said. I want to play for Liverpool to be a fucking red. It's the Red Furnace Podcast episode number three. Juco, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. Couldn't be happier. A lot of shit going on in my life. We'd like to apologize first and foremost for the delay in episodes uh, two and three. It's, you know, we can blame Jay-Z and uh, an unborn baby for that. That's <laughs> Today we're mobile. Yeah, we are on road. We are actually in front of a Walmart. So if this podcast abruptly ends, we got hit by a car. Well, I don't think we'll get hit by a car, but there might be some car alarms. I think I already heard one go off. So, <laughs> ah. so we got Southampton to talk about, Sevilla to talk about, Chelsea to talk about. Um, we got a lot to talk about. It's dark already here in Canada, just so that everyone knows. It's about 6 o'clock and it's already pitch black outside, like the dead of night. And that little opening song, I didn't really sing it, but it, it's courtesy of At Liverpool... Uh, sorry, at LFC Football 2. Uh, and apparently it's uh, nicked off of a Chelsea song. So Is that via but, Twitter? That, that, yeah, yeah. That I, got, I got it off of Twitter. Um, so and it's, it's nicked off of, of a Chelsea song, but we got Salah from, you know, Chelsea via Rome. So whatever. I think, I think it works. It did work. I don't know if that was a real song or you just made it up, but it, it went well. You didn't sing it. You sing like shit. But thank you, LFC Football 2. Yep. Okay. Much appreciated. So before we get anywhere close to the shit show of Seville, let's uh, let's talk about Southampton first. What do you remember about Sam- Southampton? It's been a little while ago. Mo is magic. Oh, we didn't do the I opening remember. question. Oh, you're fucking up already. <laughs> so this week's opening question is: Have you ever played the game uh, Fuck Mary Kill? I have. So, so you it's know, not really a game, it's just a series of answers, but yes. But you know the idea behind yes. it. So I wanted to do Fuck, Mary Kill, but with all of the social networks. So you got Twitter, Instagram, uh, WhatsApp, Tinder, LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, pick one to kill, one to marry, one to fuck. Am I going first? You can go first or I can go first. I already wrote down my answers, actually. You wrote, okay, so let's hear yours. Okay, you uh, your number answer. one, I would kill Snapchat because I don't understand how to use Snapchat. <laughs> And I think it's redundant anyways. I don't think anyone would miss it because now you have Instagram stories, which as far as I can tell is the same thing, but with less filters. And I, I, I personally don't like filters, so I could kill Snapchat really easily. Okay. Right? What do you, what do you think? I don't know. I think Snapchat is pr- prominent in today's society. Uh, yeah, but to the, the new detri- gener- I think to the, the detriment new- of society. Yeah, but I think the new generation lives for 30-second clips of shit. I just don't understand the user interface. It was invented. It looks like it was invented by a four. It probably was invented. Probably by a was four-year-old. invented by a four-year-old, and his dad coined it and made millions of dollars. But he actually, I know exactly who invented Snapchat, and he married uh, Miranda Care, wow. Orlando Bloom's ex-wife. Wow! So he's doing well for himself. God bless him. Better than us, anyways. God bless the Snapchat guy. Okay, so pick one to kill. Kill. I'm killing Instagram because Instagram is the devil. It consumes you. It sucks up all your time. And I don't know about everyone else, but my timeline is just filled with ass. And I don't even follow any of these bitches. But they're all over the place. And it's crazy. And I can't handle it. I, I'm going to delete Instagram. Okay. I actually... Actually, hold on. Let me okay. cut you off. I deleted Instagram off my phone to realize you can only read DMs via your phone. So that was stupid. Because I could have just used it on the computer. But thanks, Instagram. I think this actually shows that you're a bit younger than me because I don't understand DMs at all on any platform, really. Wow, Instagram DMs, they go down in the DM, man. Come on. Instagram was actually the one I picked for fuck. <laughs> okay. Well, because all the, like you said, it's the one with all the best pictures on it. So it looks the best. If it were a person, it would probably look the best. Yeah. Right? That's a good way of being civil about it. Yeah, right. Definitely. And, and then I'll, I'll do my last one, too, because it, it's related. I would marry Facebook. And the reason, the biggest reason anyways, is because Facebook bought Instagram. So like, mm. Facebook has ownership of Instagram. So if you married Facebook, it wouldn't care that you fucked Instagram mm. because Instagram is a part of Facebook. So Fuck, that's well right? thought of. No, it's not just that. I, I went in on this, okay? Facebook is actually, it's, it's the best wife. It's the least flighty. It's been around the longest. It's stable. <laughs> It has. It's the most. It's the first one. It's the most predictable platform. It might get annoying. It might look worse over time as they keep changing things, 
but still, it's around for the long haul of the Facebook. You are correct. So you got two more to go. You still got to pick one to marry and one to fuck. fuck. So I say fuck Facebook because I never fucked with Facebook. Facebook for me was like... Yeah, but you're changing the definition of the verb just to... Okay, no, go on. I never liked Facebook. I never used it. I never had it. It was like the, the high school hoe that you knew of but never got in touch with. So like I know what it does, but am I going to be a part of it? Mm, nothing really drew me in. I, I, I just... I have no need for Facebook. But... Yes, I took it as fuck Facebook. I'm not actually fucking Facebook. So I took your shit out of context. But whatever. And I would marry Twitter because of information. Simply because Twitter is the most rapid. You know everything about everyone all the time. Everything. I'm marrying Twitter. Twitter's got me. Twitter's telling me everything that's going on all the place. Telling you everything you needed to know. Exactly. But all the time. All all day, every day. Twitter. It's an annoying girlfriend. But with good information. Twitter doesn't stop. I could live with that. Okay. I could live with it. Well, I think that went well. Okay. So, Southampton. I don't want to dwell too much on the matches, um, particularly because the Southampton one's kind of old. I just want to do a quick review of all the matches. Let's see what we thought of it um, and where that leaves us now. So, Liverpool versus Southampton. We end up winning comfortably 3-0. Two goals from Mo Salah before the break. Coutinho made it three on 68 minutes. Yep. Um, unfortunately, Lallana wasn't in this. Uh, it was predicted that he would be back for this game, but he didn't even make the bench. The starting lineup, it was the first time in the league where we lined up with all four of Firmino, Salah, Mane, and Coutinho. Really? That was the first time? That was the, the first, first time in the league, I think, against Spartak Moscow um, in the Champions League. We had that. Yeah. Um, Chan dropped out of midfield when all them and Henderson were there. Trent was preferred over Gomez at right back. He had a really good game. He, he played did. really well. He did. Um, Matt, he Matt did. Tip was injured in the pre-warm-up, so we had a Lovren-Clavan partnership. They did fine. Oh, yeah, they were kind of shaky, but they, they held for the result. Mo was magic, played fucking incredible. Coutinho's in form, playing great as well. We just had an overall good game. I don't, I don't want to get too far into it. Well, I, I'm going to return to this point later, but I think it's it's uh, worth pointing out that, you know, we were expecting Matip and Clavin for this game. What we got was Lovren and Clavin, um, and Lovren had just been coming off that horror show in Tottenham, and we hadn't seen him start yet, but he did fine in this game. The next game is different. And the game after that is different again still because I want to talk later about Liverpool's inconsistency. So this constant chopping and changing of the center backs, you know, it doesn't start here, but we can start here. Mm-hmm. But they did get a clean sheet. It was another clean sheet um, at home. Yeah, well, it was well-deserved. They hustled, they played, but there was still a lot of stupid little errors that playing against a better opposition, we will get picked apart Four, right? I got. I gotta say, until Salah scored the first one, it was looking pretty even. We, I do remember that we pressed them really well without creating any good chances, and actually, actually, Southampton looked like they were getting the better opportunities at that point. Um, what about Seville? Seville, um, yeah, yeah. So we had a starting lineup where. Basically, just a couple changes. Carius comes in for Mignolet, as he does for the Champions League, and Gomez was in for Trent. Um, and it was it was pretty... It, I actually found it was pretty si- similar to the Southampton game, where Liverpool were pressing, but Sevilla had the better chances. Carius actually did pretty well. He, he did pretty well. Uh, he had a good game. He had a strong first half. The second half, I can't really blame him for the goals, but the third goal, I know he didn't see it, but like... He was more concerned with looking for an offside or, like, I don't know. For me, that third goal pissed me right off. They're just clusterfuck in the box. Everyone's just lost. It's, it's just that sums up our de- defense was that third goal Sevilla scored on us. It, it was just embarrassing all across the board from everyone. But it's, to Liverpool's it, credit, we did make it to halftime at 3-0. Uh, Firmino scored in the second minute from a header. Mane makes it two again from a corner. We're a actually, we actually scored a couple times from a corner, which was crazy. Two goals, right? Both. Firmino yeah. and, and uh, Mane. Well, yeah, and then Firmino makes it three before half, right? And then it was Moreno who imploded. Yes, it was against his former club. And um, did he not do something very similar in the Europa League final? Yeah. Okay. yeah. I, and I don't want to put all the blame on him because our whole defense was shaky. 
But second half, I don't know if the cancer thing is true or if that's fake news. But apparently the, the cancer situation that we heard about, the coach has cancer, told his team, and they came out with heart, and they just wanted to win more than we did. And we cannot defend when we're getting pressed the way we press, I find. Well, and I don't know if it's a Southampton thing, because that the, that's the third time we've been leading South... Uh, not Southampton, we've been leading Sevilla at halftime. And, and didn't go, and didn't go on to win the game. Yep. It, the Europa League final, the first leg in the group stage this year, and now this three three. And this further's my my point that Oxley Chamberlain is cursed because he came on and they scored not long after that. Not to say it was his fault in any shape, way, or form. I'm just I think he carries a curse with him. There there was a lot to be said about Klopp and you know not using his substitution soon enough. Um, pulling Chan and Milner off the bench, but we had already conceded twice. Um, Moreno, I don't, you know, you can't coach that. I mean, Moreno has been one of our most consistent performers all season. That's um, sad. It's sad, but it's true. Yeah. He's been our one of, and, and he, you know, he gave away the penalty. Uh, and Henderson had a particularly bad game here. Very very and well it once the it was two nothing and we had the sub and and um Milner came on with Chan we looked a little bit more comfortable they were still pressing hard but we calmed down a little bit it wasn't a shaky just everyone's running everywhere like it just looked bad those first two goals looked bad on us once we made that sub i think we were comfortable until Oxley Chamberlain came on i think that's that sub somewhere in that whole Salah coming off situation we just shit the bed again well i think it's worth while pointing out at 3-2, um, we we had a chance to make it 4-2, and, and Chan just couldn't square the ball to, I believe it was Salah or one of Salah or Firmino, I don't remember which, um, but he ends up hitting the goalie instead of making it across the box. Yeah. It was, it was close, yeah. and I think if we made it 4-2, that would have been the end of it, but we couldn't get out. We don't see Sturridge off the bench, who I think would have done a better job than any of our forwards at holding up the ball and allowing Liverpool to be able to just push up the field a little bit more. Agreed. Um, Definitely agree, definitely agree. Sturridge is very, very comfortable holding the ball, waiting for his teammates to come up, uh, moving the ball forward as well. Uh, but that's up to the coach at the end of the day. So that's all I know. It, it's worth saying that the corner at the end of the game, you know, I don't, it's the fatalism of this fan club that it really just felt inevitable that they were going to score a third. Absolutely. I, 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 I can go as far to say that every time there is a set piece anywhere in our half, I am definitely nervous. And I think it definitely speaks to the mentality that, you know, following along with, because every, every club thinks they're terrible at corners. Every club thinks they always get scored on from corners and they never score from corners themselves. So we're... Is that a thing, for real? I, from everyone I've talked to, no one thinks they're good at corners. I don't think anybody is particularly good at corners. It's just one of those things where it's just not a high percentage chance in scoring. So every time you do get scored against, it feels like the end of the world. And when you do score, it's not nearly as often as you'd like. Well, that being said, that game, we scored two corners in a very quick, right. rapid-fire way. So. Which doesn't often happen. Right? No, that is very uh, random for us to to pull out. So then this weekend, we played Chelsea. Um, Firmino, Mane, Chan. Chan doesn't even make the bench. Apparently, he had a little bit of an injury. I don't know if that injury is Bayern Munich-related. But right. I, I, you So know, it's a pride injury? Yeah, Munich, Munich-itis. Uh, but Firmino and Mane were on the bench. Sturridge, Chamberlain, and Milner come in instead of them. Um, and Moreno, it's it's worth saying, Klopp sticks by his man and Moreno plays this game. I think the whole team bounced back. I think everyone played a really good game against a really good... Do you really think Henderson good... played well? I'm, I'm going to touch on Henderson. But I think leaving Firmino, Mane, and Chan off was good for us because I think we needed... Uh, the fresh faces, not not necessarily that they are fresh faces, but I think everyone played to their strengths. I think we played as a, as a solid squad, and that's a good game to bounce back to. And we should have had the game, but, you know, you can't trust the Brazilians. can't defend against the Brazilian because you never know what the fuck they're going to do. What did, but, you, what did you think about Sturridge and how he played? 
I was happy. I'm always happy with Sturge, but I'm extremely biased at the end of the day. Yeah, so I, put I'm aside not, your bias and tell me, did Sturge do well or not? Sturge, Sturridge did not fulfill his potential in that game, but he still did not have a bad game. That's the best way I could put it. He did not shit the bed, but he didn't do nothing spectacular. He was like a like how we've spoken about Nathaniel Klein in the past. Are getting a seven out of ten every single time? We got the seven out of ten out of Sturge. I know it's not good enough as a striker, but in that game, I'd rather you play seven out of ten than concede, right? So that, that's what I think of Sturge's performance. I think they're what they're doing, what the what the management staff is doing with Sturge is because I I think it's really weird that Sturge got put in cold. Um, he, you know, we could have seen him off the bench at Sevilla because uh, I think he would have done a better job holding up the ball. Agreed. We didn't see him off the bench at Southampton, and to me, when you're 3-0 up, that's a good time to get your backup striker some minutes um, where he can feel his way into the game. So if you wanted to start him at Chelsea, he would have some rust shaken off already. But what I think they're doing is I know... Sturridge's injury record and I think I think what they're planning him out is is it's not worth getting him to warm up and to be a sub unless it's absolutely necessary Sturridge's warm up and warm down times I've heard are very particular all his fast twist much muscles and all of that are very prone to injury so I think they either want to give him a full game or none at all which isn't the greatest thing out of your backup striker no I, but I, I think I, I don't know any other reason why we wouldn't have seen him in Southampton and Sevilla but they would have no problem starting him against Chelsea Chelsea at home is not a small game to no put Sturridge absolutely into. and two things I'll defend Sturridge number one is that Klopp does have the the belief in him to start him against Chelsea so that says a lot with no warm-up, like you're saying. He could be going in rusty, but we have faith in him. Quietly, he's been healthy for basically this all season. This whole season, yeah. And that, you know what? And it's a third of a season. And yeah, he's he's doing better than he has, absolutely, in the past. He's lost his pace, as we all know, but his touch is still there. I think he should be coming on 80th minute every game. Just, and this is the thing. Just I don't, to I don't... finish off 10 minutes, just to touch the ball, move around. You know what I mean? At that point, your pace doesn't really matter because everyone's tired, everyone's fatigued. I think Sturridge should be coming on 80 minutes, 80th minute every time he can. I think it really frustrates Sturridge to ever come on with only 10 minutes left to inflict You think game. so? And I think when we were bringing him on in the 80th minute, that's where we were seeing all of the muscle injuries that Sturridge was, was picking up all the time. I think they're actively trying not to do that for the sake of his health. Well, maybe you're right. It, it just it makes... Yeah, I gotta look the more sequ- into that. The sequence of events, he doesn't come on as a sub nearly as regularly as you think. No, he doesn't. At all, actually. And Far and few in between. I know Firmino has great endurance, but the guy plays almost every single game. I can't believe that Klopp and the sports science team working with Klopp wouldn't want to, you know, spare him the legs. Particularly in a game, like I keep referring to the Southampton game. 3-0 up, that's the time to get minutes in your backup striker. Agreed. And it's time to take off your striker who has played every minute of the damn season. Agreed. So, you know, as much as I'd like to see him come on, I, I don't think it'll happen. It'll be interesting to see if, if this sort of trend continues where Sturridge just isn't involved for most of the games and then out of nowhere he starts a game. I, I hope not, and I hope this isn't leading towards this January uh, exit everyone's talking about for him to get his, his England minutes. I hope that's not true. I hope Sturridge I don't think leave. Sturridge cares about England. I think he should <laughs> he should be getting more time, but you know what? It is up to the manager at the end of the day, and he th- I guess he knows best, right? He sees him. He has been a Band-Aid for the past how many seasons? Five seasons? Four seasons? He's got hereditary injuries that are not going to go away, so I guess we're playing him at his pace to his strengths, and that's what we should be doing. Well, it's something to look at because you would want, like I said, your backup striker to be able to come on in the 80th minute or 75th or 60th minute. If Sturridge is physically unable to do that on a consistent basis without injuring himself, not only is he not quite the level he needs to be to be our main striker to start every week, in my opinion, as much as I love him, he's not at the required fitness level to even be a backup striker at that point. No, I totally agree. He's he's got Jack Wilshire. How do you say his? Jack Wilshire. Wilshire's uh, syndrome, the not match fit ever. 
Well, and it goes to the point of Wilshire, I think, cares about playing for England. Sturridge has never struck me as the Michael Owen type where he really cares about England. Not to mention every time he goes out to England, he gets injured. So, because that is also very true, yes. You know, right. Roy Hodgson and Sam Allardyce do not give a crap about Sturridge's warm up, warm down procedures. They just, they just don't. Did Sam just go to Everton? I don't know if that's confirmed yet or not. I just see a lot of pictures on Twitter of Sam with an Everton crest on, but I don't know actually know if that's confirmed or not. Yeah, neither do I. We they did lose that. like really badly the other day, which was hilarious against Atlanta in the uh, Atlanta. Yeah, I got my pro line win because of that. I think they'll get relegated. I got my pro line. It's win a hot shout. If I could get odds, you can't bet properly on soccer in Canada, by the way. No. But if I could get odds on Everton being relegated. That's a bet I would go for. Yeah? Because that's got satisfaction and the odds are probably pretty good. <laughs> you know, there's only room for I would one want Merseyside them, club. I would want them to come straight back up the following year because we need the Derby, but it would be fun for a season to see them in the championship. I love the Derby, but I also hate the Derby, so I could live without it. But going back to Liverpool, I think these three games... As a whole, they, they really do show the inconsistency of Liverpool, and that's something that I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the centre-backs always being chopped and changed, people getting small niggling injuries. Particularly in the defence, I think that's affecting Liverpool a lot. Um, Clavin isn't that much of a drop-off actually from Matip or Lovin. I think we've seen. He's actually been doing a decent job as a third choice center back. My problem is we're seeing him way too often. Agreed. And the problem is not that it's a big drop from Lovren or Matip to Clavin. That's not a indictment of Clavin. That's an indictment of Matip and Lovren. They have to be better when they're paired up together. Agreed. And it's easy for us to sit here and say they need to improve. But at the end of the day, they need to improve. I don't see us signing anybody. (laughs) And like, no, honestly, we can't just sign someone and they're going to come in and make the difference. The whole team needs to, not even the whole team, the whole back line needs to adjust together. Well, it just seems like recently one of the two of Lovren or Matip has either been out of form, and that's mostly Lovren, or injured, which has been both of them. So, you know, Clavin... I haven't looked up the stats on this, but has probably played more games at center back than the other two. Oh, it feels like it, right? We've definitely seen a lot of him. What I do know, (laughs) because I looked this part up, in in the 10 games since October the 1st, we've drawn Newcastle and United, lost 4-1 at Tottenham, we beat Huddersfield, West Ham, and Southampton by a combined score of 10 to 1. Jesus. In between, we beat Marabor twice for a combined score of 10 nothing. Drew Sevilla 3-3, Drew Chelsea 1-1. We're all over the fucking shop. It's Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. It's madness. It's five wins, four draws, one loss, 1.9 points per game. We scored 26, but but we've conceded 10. But if you look at where those goals came, they all came in just a couple of games. You know, the the Sevilla and the Tottenham game really skew those numbers. Seven of the ten goals that we conceded over this period were scored in just two games. We're, Jesus. We're good when we're good, but when we're bad, when we're letting in goals, we do it really poorly. Well, we do no, it all at once. If there's if there's one, there's usually one to follow, and if there's one to follow, there's usually another one to follow. Like you know, we we can't cut it off after the one. There's never a turnaround after we get scored on. There's never a moment where we're like, "Okay, we got scored on, we're going to we're going to something needs to change," right? The attitude or or the passing or the communication something needs to change and it never does and I find like once we get that one goal it's like you've already broken through the armor and you get one more and you've, you've gotten us as, well, that, as a team that, that's my and that's why I wanted to read out the goals for and goals against 26-4 10 against that's 2.6 goals for every opposition goal if you redistributed these numbers we could have won all 10 of those games but instead we won only half of them we won only 5 that's yeah, just not good enough and this That's is what I it's not. I took a look at um, I took a look at Klopp's time in Dortmund. Uh, I know you you're not you weren't following along with Dortmund. Is that correct? No, I was not. I was. I really liked Dortmund ever since they started winning titles in Germany. I thought they were fascinating, which is why I was so excited when we got Klopp in the first place. However, I don't know if you know this, but Klopp's last season at Dortmund went really yeah, poorly. He, he shit the bed. He wasn't he, wasn't he in relegation zone? 
midway through the season? Yes. Yeah, and that I knew about. They ended up finishing somewhere around eighth place. Jesus. But they were, at, to a greater extent than what Liverpool is now, having problems with inconsistency and with their defense. They were conceding a lot of goals, and they were dropping, um, they were dropping a lot of leads. So what I wanted to take a look at was Dortmund um, in their prime. Dortmund in the seasons where they actually won things, where they won titles. In their first season, all season, they only conceded 22 goals. And their biggest loss was 2-0, you said? That's correct. That's crazy. In the second title-winning season, Klopp's second title-winning season, they only conceded 25 goals they scored 80 that first season they scored 67 so in both seasons Klopp's teams were not conceding they were conceding sub 30 goals and to score 80 goals in a season is 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 pretty good Mm -hmm. you know their biggest loss was to Marseille in the Champions League they lost three nothing but I scanned through their results. There wasn't any. There wasn't three threes all over the board. They weren't losing four one multiple times during this because we've lost four one to Tottenham. And then what was the score in the City game where they oh, beat us? I think it was five nothing. No. Right. This didn't happen to Klopp's Dortmund when they were winning titles. So we know, and he has a track record, and his management staff has a track record of being able to put together a team with a solid defense. Mm-hmm. They've proven that. But we're just not seeing it. We're not seeing that at Liverpool yet, uh, at least with any consistency. Mm-hmm. Because here's the other, the flip side of Liverpool's inconsistency. When we're good at defense, we're really good. Do you know how many goals we've conceded at Anfield this season? How many? Two. Really? All season, we've conceded two in the league. In the league, we've conceded two. To whom? Chelsea. That one that they just scored. And one other, which I don't remember. It was somewhere towards the beginning. It might have been Burnley. (laughs) I didn't write that part down. We lost to Burnley? I don't think we lost. I think that was a draw. We might have even won. But we've only conceded twice at Anfield all season in the league, and we haven't lost at Anfield. So It's a good home record. It's a good home record. The away record is really dicey. So what I'm getting at is that there there are bits and pieces of this side that are fantastic and uh, something to be optimistic about. Obviously, our goal scoring has been great for most of the time. Salah has obviously been a standout performer. Our home record is good. Our home defensive record is good. We're just not being able to put together a sequence of wins that is putting us in a position to win things. We should still make it out of our Champions League group, probably in first place, depending on what we do with Moscow. But Klopp's thing was to put all your starters out against Sevilla, win it, and then rest our players at Spartak Moscow prior to the Everton game. That's not going to happen now. No, it's not. And we shouldn't be nervous about playing Spartak Moscow. But as LFC fans, we all are because we've pissed away a 3-0 lead to a team that is not better than us. I do not think Sevilla is better than Liverpool in any aspect of the game. At all. You didn't think Sevilla was... I thought Ever Benega had a great game. He had a great game, but I just don't think anyone on that club... on the, Anyone is... Oh, is and- in comparison to Liverpool, nobody... like I wouldn't have anyone over the people we have. I think we're a better club. We're a better team. We have a better coach. That's we where I'm going to disagree with you, actually. I'm going to disagree with you in the fact that I think you should take a good, long look. And I'm, I'm making a point of this that I think everyone should take a good long look at how the defenses of some of these teams operate and who their standout performers are. Uh, yeah, Sevilla conceded three goals against us in the first half, um, but the corner thing was more about positioning. There has to be some center backs that can help this situation out. I, I agree with you that this system needs to be tweaked in a way to protect the center backs, but I actually Absolutely. don't think it has to be tweaked that much. When Liverpool's defense works well, I, and this might be just confirmation bias, but it looks to me like Liverpool's defense works well because of the system, not necessarily because the center backs are having a good game. I think it looks poorly. It looks like it's working poorly when one of our defenders not fails within the system but they fail due to an individual error agreed like Lovren 
with Tottenham and like Moreno with Sevilla. But individual errors fail the system. So at the end of the day, the system is not working because you've made an individual effort to do something and you fucked up and you fucked the whole system up. And now the rest, everyone else has to make up for your error. And against Sevilla, no one made up for Moreno's error. The first goal against Sevilla, Moreno just had to take another step forward and he would have got a little more height on it. But is that a problem with the system? That No, but I'm saying that's an individual error. And after that, no, what else? Who's going to make up for that? The, 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 the tackle in the box was just stupid. You lose your footing. Like, it's... it's Individual errors fuck up the system because once your error is, is that made, the everyone's fault up, or no, the individual. It's the individual. Does error. the system has to be changed or the, do the individuals both. have to be changed? Both. I think both. If we're gonna if we're gonna compete with top four Premier League clubs, everything needs to change. I don't think Van I don't think Dijk, everything needs to change. Oh, our attack is great. Up. Our attack is great. Our defensive things need to change. I think that Van Dyke is not enough. I don't know why people think we're going to sign Van Dyke. It's it's all going to work. No. We should sign Van Dyke and like DeVry or Van Dyke. We should sign two center backs and let everyone compete for that role and not guarantee no one's position. What about That's the man in front of the defense? I mean, Henderson faced a hell of a lot of criticism after Sevilla. I don't think I've ever actually seen Henderson. You know, Henderson's a really likable Liverpool personality. He's the club captain. I haven't seen that much vitriol directed towards him, I think, since he first joined the club and he was lumped in with Charlie Adam as a poor signing made by Damien Gamoli. Since then, everyone has, generally speaking, really liked Henderson, myself included, but everyone was calling for his damn head after Sevilla. I think the problem is that everyone likes Henderson. I don't... I like Henderson. Like, you're right, he's a likable guy. He's our skipper. But is he our skipper? Is he quality enough to lead this squad? Is he is he strong enough to lead this squad? To me, Henderson argues more than he plays. He's always up and... like It's just, there's too much outside of playing football that doesn't make sense to me. You know what I mean? Henderson's too concerned with other things, it seems like. Yes, he's got good passing, but is good passing what we need? Or do we need a great central midfielder? Is Henderson great to you? Would you put Henderson on any other team and he can play great? Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a big Henderson enthusiast. Um, and there's a couple of things which I think is weird. You know, you mentioned that Henderson, he talks a lot, he yells a lot, he screams a lot, he gets in the ref face a lot. I agree with that. But one of the biggest criticisms of Steve Gerrard was that he was a great player, but too quiet to be a club captain. And I actually think it's really, really important to have the, these conversations about Henderson separately of whether he is good enough to play in our midfield on a regular basis and whether he should be our club captain. Because I actually don't think that the club captain thing matters nearly half as much as people say it does on the pitch. Um, so putting aside... Fair enough. Putting aside that he's, a, he's our club captain... Because I don't think that should actually determine whether he should play every week or not. I think people... Because Henderson's been... Um, he was injured a lot last season. Yeah. Right? And I think we really missed him when he wasn't there. And I think we forget that that recurring heel injury, he probably is playing with right now still. Agreed. Um, and again, that just doesn't justify him being in the starting 11 but you know for people attacking him personally they should keep that in mind and what we missed the most of last season I found was that our attack seemed to slow down he is a great passer in my opinion not in the chabby Alonzo mold or the Steven Gerrard mold necessarily but when Henderson gets the ball he's pinging it into feet with speed and when it's Emery there, or whether it was Lucas there last season, the passing would be of a similar quality, but at around 60% of the speed of what Henderson passes at. And I think that is so important that the person at the base of our midfield is moving the ball quickly enough to our forwards. What's the point of having forwards like um, Mane and Salah, who are quick as all hell, if the ball isn't coming to them just as quickly. No, I agree. And I, I saw that time and again last year where Henderson wasn't there and the ball was just moving ponderously slow and we weren't able to gain any penetration. So as much as he has faults, particularly at being able to cover the defense sometimes because he's in that number six role, what you miss out in attack is enormous. Enormous. When he's not there. 
agreed. But at the same token, I I, I think he's a I think he's good. I think he he's a solid midfielder. I just think for the club we are and where we're trying to go, he's not the right man for us. I think we, I don't even think Nabi Kaita coming in. If it was a direct replacement, I still don't think that's even a big enough. He's not a direct placement. But I know you I, haven't seen Nabi play. No, I haven't. But, but I'm just not. saying, like hypothetically, let's say he's coming in as the direct. He's more of a number eight, right? He's playing in front of him. Kaita, kind of behind the attackers. Kaita would be in a Kaita, Like I keep, he's not the same as, but he is more similar to Lalana than any of our other midfielders. Okay, all right, that's a good comparison. So I'll, I'll even drop that. The point is, yes, we need the vocal. Yes, we need someone out there leading the squad. As, as it doesn't much as, necessarily even have to be Henderson. No, it doesn't. But he is the voice on our squad. We all know that. And when it's not him, it's Emery Chan. From what I see. But I think there's more of that going on than there is that passing to the forwards. And then there is that moving the ball properly. I'll give it to Henderson. Henderson passes exceptionally well. He, he, his long balls are incredible. He's do, he does have that touch. He does have that presence. But it's just not enough for where we are trying to take this club right now, in my opinion. So you would replace Henderson if you could? I, if I could, yes. With with a bigger like for example the Mascherano rumors we're hearing about if Mascherano comes to Liverpool today I guarantee you he's back in the midfield best player on our team easily in the midfield. Am well, I right or am I wrong? I haven't seen Mascherano play nearly as often as Henderson? I would have liked. Oh <laughs> so yeah. So I don't I don't know you know Mascherano has spent the past few years playing at center back for Barcelona. Yeah. I don't even know if you can classify him as a midfielder anymore. I, I just think he has that quality. He's there for a reason. He's doing what he's doing for a reason, right? I could only speak to the fact that Mascherano of 2009 would be a great addition to our midfield. But Mascherano of 2009 did not play as a number six in front of a defense by himself. Mascherano would play there next to Gerard or next to Chabi Alonso. Fair because enough, but then that's when you put someone like Jordan Henderson next to Mascherano. Maybe you can learn something. Maybe he brings something to your game that elevates your game to the next level. Maybe he has that insight that you just needed to hear. I don't know. But I, I, I think if Jordan <laughs> Henderson is Mascherano to get, was never about insight. Mascherano was about winning balls high up the pitch. But that's a beautiful thing. That's something to learn. That's something to replicate and, and take and use. I don't know. I just, I just don't think. I love Henderson, and I'm not saying we should get rid of him or replace him. But well, if we could, we should replace if him. If we could, with a better replacement, I would do it today. Absolutely. I think it is exceptionally hard to play in that midfield position on your own. And this is why I bring up the point of Mascherano. While I love him as a player, I would not want him to anchor my midfield alone. Um, Busquets is the only player that I've seen that can do that role really effectively all by himself. Everyone else who I've seen play that number six by themselves are good at one thing, but are terrible at ten other things. Uh, I, I, I would. Luka Modric has shown that he's good. Luka Modric does not play there by himself. He plays next to Tony Cruz. Yeah, but he Chabu has. Xabi Alonso was fantastic in that, but but he spent a lot of his career playing next to Mascherano or Sami Khedira. Pirlo would play there by himself at Juventus, but he was flanked by Vidal and Pogba, who would do all of his running. What I mean to say is that if Henderson is there as the number six, what are his deficiencies and where are we making up for that around him? We're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're not playing up to his strengths. So I think any midfielder you put there, all his weaknesses will just get magnified because he's sitting there by himself. And I think this in particular is a systemic issue rather than the defense that we were talking about before. What are the things Henderson aren't isn't good at what can't he do well we just established he can pass well he's an integral part of moving forward yeah so he can't cover defensively yeah fine then we can play someone next to him when Klopp first came to Liverpool he was playing a midfield two in front of the defense of Chan and Henderson yeah since then we've seen Henderson by himself with two creative players for the most part in front of him so if his deficiencies are in defense the system isn't doing him any favors because I would never call Coutinho, Wijnaldum, or Lalana particularly defensive. Oh, okay. Henderson I... is the most defensive of those three. Yeah. I think he looks better <clears throat> with Chan ahead of him because Chan does do a little bit of the graft defensively. He does. I agree. I agree. Not least of which he's big, so at least he can knock people out of the way. Oh, you're right. You're right. So, <laughs> Mascherano 
if he's anywhere close to where he was at uh, in the 2009 platform, then I would I would have him in my midfield. But we would have to change our midfield shape. Yeah, but that yeah, okay, that makes sense. That that makes a lot of sense. But I still think he's easily top quality coming into a club. He's gonna he's gonna. We're mi- not getting Mascherano anyways. I, I don't think so either. But I'm just saying, like as an example, that would be a, a, a quality adjustment. And I think that the system would have to change for someone like that to come back into the club, right? I, Jordan Henderson's role might change in that in that scenario. His role, hopefully, could for the better. And this is why I think it's not a question of whether he's a worthy captain. I think that's a load of shit. I think, but that has a lot. A lot of people leave it to that, and they. It's and always I think it's the, wrong. No, and I agree. I think the skipper conversation is irrelevant, and uh, and um, at the end of the day, it's just putting extra pressure on him for no reason, because it's definitely less important. I mean, it's relevant in the sense that you can have that conversation, but it shouldn't necessarily relate to their position on the field. But it has nothing to do with his play either. No, it's and it, as it shouldn't, it should be more about who's the leader of the team and who yells the most at the ref. Well, then that's, that's what I think. That's clearly our skipper. Yeah, and and that's why I don't think criticism of being a club captain has anything to do with how he's playing. If you want a club captain who's vocal and everything, you pick Henderson. If you don't care about that, then you can pick Mignolet, drop Henderson to the bench if you want. But if you want to talk about how Henderson plays and the system that he's playing in, then the skipper thing shouldn't come into it. No, okay, and, and you're right, and I think you shine new light on my uh, opinion here because maybe it's the system's problem. Maybe the system needs to change to give him more help defensively. But will that affect our attack now? Of course it will. And I, and, but how and, severely? And, and and this is my point. I mean, for you, you, you can't have it always, all the time, unless you're not us. Unless you're Madrid or Barcelona. And even they, they have deficiencies too. I mean, that's, that's not... Let's not pretend that anybody's perfect here. But the reason why, at least as far as I can see, Klopp sets his midfield up the way he does is because he would rather have two attacking players ahead of Henderson than to only have one attacking player ahead of Henderson and have somebody more defensive beside Henderson. Yeah, that makes sense. And again, I will bring up that you would have to make these concessions and accommodations for any midfielder. Because if you play one midfielder at the base of your midfield, even if they're Steve Gerrard, they can't do everything all at once. So what is the purpose of Nabi Keita to come in to add to the players we're not helping Henderson? In my in pe- the system we're in right now? You're saying if Nabi Keita comes to our club right now with the system we're playing, he's completely useless. I don't th- <laughs> for Jordan Henderson. Waited, waited, put, put, put me into a corner. Do I think he's completely useless? This play for the system we are playing with and what our problems are. Nabi Kaita is a useless signing. I don't think Kaita fixes what everyone had a problem with Henderson at Sevilla. With like no, Nabi doesn't address that. Nabi is an all-round midfielder. I think Nabi comes into the midfield ahead of Henderson. I mean, positionally ahead of Henderson, not ahead of him in the pecking order. Mm-hmm. And we're picking two of three of Coutinho, hopefully, Lalana and Wijnaldum to play ahead of Henderson. Henderson is Klopp's number six. He plays there every single time he's available. And I don't think that has anything to do with him being club captain. I don't think no, Klopp right. and, and is as fickle to say... You know, broadly sweeping, that my captain always has to play. I don't think he would ever do that. So Klopp likes him as his number six. I think him playing there as much as he does means that he's fulfilling the role as best as Klopp could expect someone to fill that role. Yeah, and and to come to his defense, and and I don't want people to think I'm out for Jordan Henderson. You at are the end of the clearly. Day, well, no, I'm not. <laughs> I just I just think like I can't name a better suited replacement for him that we can realistically get anytime soon. I don't know enough about the players we are looking into, and I don't even know if they will fit with our club. But I just think we can do better. As a team, or uh, we can know, do better than Henderson? Both. 
Wow. See, this is I why. think with Henderson there, we need to make adjustments to the system, the way you said. I'm very <laughs> undecisive, all right? And <laughs> and I think we could get someone better than him. I just don't, I don't know who it is, and I, I don't even want to put out who I think it would be because I don't even know. Ladies and gentlemen, Jugo is against Jordan Henderson in every aspect. He wants him replaced. He wants him kicked out of town. This is, at Lord Juco. This is, please do at him this about this. Not true at all. But okay, whatever. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it as it comes. Well, no, I have looked at, you know, in this, you know, I prepared the agenda, so I had more of a chance than you to think about it, which is why I'm talking clearly. About, I think. Um, but I did look at, at midfielders that Premier League clubs have signed. And if they would do a better job at number six than Jordan does in club system. So you, you does, does that make sense? In club system as the number six. Just swapping out Henderson. Who That's has it. the Premier League signed? Because those should be realistic targets for us even. Let's go with, say, Paul Pogba. Would he do better? In my opinion, he would not. Uh, to be honest, um, like you said previously, Paul Pogba did have Vida on Pirlo beside him at Juve. I think when he came to United, it was a very um, deflated start to his season before he got injured. Since he's come back, I've heard he's done this great season, things. This season, he's been really good before he got injured. Yeah. Well, I... I but I don't but, think he could run a midfield at number six. I don't think so either. I think he's too young for that. I think that's what it actually falls down to. I don't think he has experience to command a team from the midfield. They he is a big guy. He does have a presence, and he does have great footwork. I just, I don't know. I, I would take Henderson over Pogba for, for our system. Pogba is number eight, and Mourinho signed Nemanja Matic to be a number six to accommodate Pogba, and this Which is this is getting can, to my point. You can't you know, sign a mid, better number six. Than mid, that. Mid, midfielders need to accommodate one another. Agreed. Nemanja Matic, do you think he would do a better job? Absolutely. Than Henderson? I think that's the most consistent number six in the Premier League for years running. Well, actually, he had one terrible season. He, okay, he had one terrible <laughs> season, but the club. Oh well, yeah, no, you're right. He did have a so terrible he's season not that consistent. He's, it was one season though. I think his numbers are He's up there. His passes three are up there. Of, uh, this is, a, I think, his fourth season in the Premier League. No, it's like six. No, it's not. You can look that up. Am I wrong? I think so. But okay, let's say Matic is, is one signing. So we've got to one signing. Let's keep going. Okay. Uh, Danny Drinkwater. Chelsea signed Danny Drinkwater. Is he a better number six than Henderson? I don't really like Danny Drinkwater. I think... Um the reason he's there is because of Conte, and I think Conte makes him look like a better player. Can uh, Conte run a midfield at number six, or does he need to be beside somebody like Danny Drinkwater? In my opinion, he does need to be beside somebody like Danny Drinkwater. I think so too, but Conte is, is very... Conte's good. Conte's quality, but yes, he does need a, a, a Danny Drinkwater. And or last season, he just... played next to Kaita. Uh, not Kaita, he played next to Matic, right? I'm, I'm, exactly, I'm, yes. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right, yeah. Conte um, does need the, the assistance. What about um, Bakayoko? They signed him nah, too. I'm not a fan of Bakayoko. I love Bakayoko, but again, he got signed to play in a midfield with Conte and drink water. None of these guys can do it all on their own, and this is the point that I'm getting at. I'm not even going to look at Arsenal's midfield because that's just a shit show. I'm not going <laughs> to look at Spurs' midfield because we don't want to talk about Spurs any more than we have to. No. But I Ooh. think the point... Stands, you know, City signed um, Gundogan, Gundogan, Gundogan. I don't know how to say his name. Gundogan, the guy from Dortmund, who I actually really like, but I don't think he can play by himself at the number six. He so, can't. You know, he can't. I, I don't think you're right that Matic could do a better job than Henderson. But what you're getting at is that in the Premier League, as a sole number six. We've either got the best or the second best midfielder of the top six teams. So I think that's pretty good. And that's my point that Henderson is not the problem. No, it's the system. And I agree with that. And maybe I'm, I'm so can ignorant to attack, back? to attack Henderson. Yes, okay. And if, if Jordan Henderson ever does listen, which I doubt, we'll talk personally, okay? <laughs> I just, I really, <laughs> I have always liked Henderson. Since he came to the club, even when Dalglish was playing him out at right midfield and he wasn't looking great, I had huge hope for him. He had the physicality. He had the mentality. He's 27 years old. He's in the prime of his career. Let's not destroy the poor guy. I think he's doing as good a job as we could reasonably expect for our number six. Fair enough. That's what I'm getting at. Fair enough. Fair enough.
Okay, now to leave Henderson alone, please. I'm I'm not gonna talk about Fucking transfer bullies, rumors. Fucking all of you. I'm not gonna try talk. I'm not gonna talk about transfer rumors. I'm not gonna talk about people we're targeting. But I do have a question. Do you think if we sign Nathan Aki, he would make a difference in our defense? I've Plank. watched Nathan Aki for probably only the ninety-minute periods in which we played against Bournemouth. Yes. Um, and I couldn't tell you how he performed in those games. I don't remember enough about him. He, I think which could solid. be a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I think it would have said something that Chelsea has let him go, but then they let go of De Bruyne and Salah. Yeah, so, so that's not saying much. But the reason I'm saying it is because I could picture a Joe Gomez, Trent Arnold, Nathan Aki, a young defense that can all learn and build a back together. Three? Wait, hey, I could do. I would do it. The young guys are playing the best out of all of our defensive players. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Trent is solid. How old is Trent? Trent had an amazing How old game. Is he? At Southampton, I was really impressed with Trent. But, but I've him. always been a. Don't forget, I'm the one that told you yes. to watch out for Trent yes. Alexander Arnold you're, you're a fan when of he hyphenated. was like 16. Yes. And yes, the double barrel last day makes me partial to him. Him <laughs> and <laughs> Daniel Trickett Smith, if you're listening, I think you're the next big thing. We'll talk about you later. He's another youth prospect, by the way, Daniel Trickett Smith. You, uh, heard, what a, what you a, heard it here first, what? unless you watch youth games in which you've heard it. I gotta start watching the youth games. What's the kid who won the. Um, Rion Brewster. Brewster. Ryan, Ryan Brewster. Ryan Brewster. I if think they just spelled it For Canadian, funky. it's Ryan Brewster. Ryan Brewster. Yeah, he's he's really good. He's uh, he's definitely one that was coming up. I have a good, actually, I have, a, I have an excellent track record of pointing out the players who are going to do well at youth tournaments. I remember calling, I remember telling you about, about Brewster. Oh, no. No, about Brewster. Okay. Um, when... Liverpool came to Toronto to play TFC. With this Joe was years Cole. ago. When Joe Cole was on Joe, TFC. Yeah. It was I actually mean, on, on, it was uh, Brendan Rodgers' very first game in charge was that friendly against TFC at the Sky Dome. And I remember telling you, watch out for Raheem Sterling and Adam Morgan. I said Sterling is way better, but Morgan scores all the goals. And who scored for Liverpool? Morgan that game? scored that game, but from then a Raheem also, Sterling assist. But then also walked off the flat earth and disappeared into the nowhere land. Well, Morgan, <laughs> Adam Morgan never grew, which I think is the only thing that held Adam Morgan back, because he he was he was small, but at youth teams he he was scoring like Michael Owen. He he just wouldn't stop scoring, but he never that never translated to the professional career. And I don't mean he didn't grow professionally or um, development wise. I mean he literally didn't get any taller or bigger. <laughs> Yeah, but and there's, I can there's, relate to that because I am also not tall or big, so I. Yeah, I, but I, that being said, like Vidal's got to be the shortest, scariest midfielder he, in the world. He's not that short. He's he, pretty short. He's he's short compared to Pogba. He is not short compared to like me. Morgan, I think, was my height. Okay, that's that. <laughs> yeah. And f- <laughs> for the record, James is four eleven. <laughs> Could actually, if you buy a big enough coat, he'll just disappear. Uh, what were we talking about? You were talking about Nathan Aki. Yes, I was. What so, do you think about the back three with the young guys? I think we that's something we should think about. Let the young guys play together. I think Gomez in particular would benefit from being in a back three because he's he's naturally a center back who has spent a lot of time at right back. Yep. So, you know, right side of a back three, I think, would be a great, great spot for him. And it's a way of easing him into the center of defense because I think that's where he's eventually going to live Agreed. and I think that's where he's eventually going to excel and Gomez is is Gomez and Trent Alexander-Arnold are very exciting mm-hmm. and what I like that right now they're competing for the same space but once Klein comes back if he ever does come back I'd still like to find a place in the team for the both of them Agreed. to get semi-regular minutes I agree for I sure definitely agree they're very good to watch very oh. entertaining tomorrow Tomorrow we've got Stoke. Stoke, 3 p.m. on a wet, windy Wednesday night in winter against Stoke. The sort of environment that they swore up and down Lionel Messi couldn't perform in. The sort of environment that our fair-weathered Brazilians shouldn't be able to perform in. But our Brazilians are hard as fuck. Oh, they're great. That's what I say. You can't you can't defend against Brazilians. Brazilians. Brazilians don't know what they're doing until they do it. And then it's done. Like, look at Gabriel Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, 
Jesus. It, he's Brazilian, so do you pronounce the J? I'm calling him Jesus, okay? No, because I, I don't... Listen, I, I know Colombians that call James, James. So I'm calling him Jesus. Yeah, but Colombians go with the Spanish pronunciation of it, so they wouldn't necessarily pronounce the H. So the James thing makes sense. But I don't trust the English commentators to differentiate between Brazilian Portuguese and South American Spanish. So is it Gabriel? They they Jesus? everyone call him yeah yeah call him Jesus. <laughs> My vocabulary is on it. Uh, yeah, they call him Jesus, from what I've heard in the games, which is that's they're probably butchering it. It's probably Jesus, but I'm calling him Jesus because he is Jesus for them right now. But once again, Brazilian. These Brazilians. He's are, got a funny haircut. Though. They're quality. They his, know how to put the ball His lineup is in really weird. It yes, looks it too small um, over his eyebrows. Like the the sides are too close to. Get, do you know what I mean? But all the Brazilians have weird haircuts and lineups. All of them, Coutinho and Firmino included. Firmino Coutinho? for like four seasons didn't know what he was doing. I remember we talked about it every game. Like, what the fuck did he do to his hair today? And then he had like a, a fountain, and like I'm just glad he cut his hair. Yeah, Firmino's had some weird, weird mops. Yeah, he's had but Coutinho, some, no, Coutinho's had the weird comb. Like, the, I don't like the line thing when you're doing the line like no, midway no, no, no. through your forehead. No, 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 and, and going back like why are you? No, what's the point of that? Is that for, I, for like wind distribution? Like, I just I don't understand. It's like a spoiler on a car. Like, why is Ju that there? Juco is currently doing all the hand motions of. Styling his hair, so yeah. if his voice kept cutting out just there, it's because he kept putting his arms in front of his mouth. Well, now everyone has a visual, okay? They so needed a visual of that. <laughs> that that was important that they got a fucking visual of that. I want to make a definition of the comb over right here and right now. Because you have one, kind of. Just for the record, <laughs> I do not have one. It doesn't look like for Coutinho's, the record. Well, uh, okay, but my point with the comb over, comb over, comb. Over. Over. The point with the comb over is if you've created the part with a comb, I think it is perfectly acceptable. That's the style of the haircut. If you're lazy and you just got your barber to shave the damn line into place, that is unacceptable. Okay, so that's now, how I would draw my on definition. On that topic of this. with the whole manscaping thing, because that's what it really is at the end of the day, does Emery Chan comb that shit over or is he shaving it in his head and gelling his hair the other way? Because I know the answer. No, I don't think he shaves the line. He shaves the line. I've, gotta, I've seen him post uh, him going to his barber, and that line wasn't there. And then when he left, that line was... Okay, so you're going to have to get a close-up of this and put this on our Instagram. I will. I, I, wanna, I want proof that Emery has shaved the line, because I don't think he did. He has. Emery's got great hair. I just... I'm, okay, I'm done with hair. Let's move on. Stoke City. Tomorrow night, away at Stoke... Firmino and Mane more what, than likely to come back into the lineup. What's what's the devil seed from Stoke that always nets on us? Jo Jonathan fucking Walters. Oh, I hate him. He is the... Um, I hate him. He I, is the devil. He's the Premier League equivalent of Ben Yedder, that son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta hate ben Yedder. ben Yedder. Keep scoring against us. Yeah, Jonathan Walters, but I, I don't know if he's healthy or not. Uh, is he? But oh, he's still playing. Let's not talk about Jonathan like Walters. He's got a full gray head. You should be done. Which is why it's so insulting that he keeps scoring against us. <laughs> so do you think, um, is Sturge playing? I hope so, but I'm just going to call it now since I called, I don't know if you've noticed, but the past four games I called all the scores. Do you recall? Let's you call don't recall? It. Anyways, I'm going to call a 3-1 win for us. Who's scoring? I don't know. It's Who's too, playing? I, I want to see Sturridge play, though. I don't, but it, would I don't you bring Firmino back? Firmino will come on, but I want Sturridge starting. The consensus on the internet is basically that this might be the game that Salah gets a rest, that Coutinho would probably get a rest as well, um, and Firmino, so on the ox? Firmino and Mane are coming back in because they were both on the bench. I think Mane definitely has to come back in because I don't think you can keep that guy on the bench for more than a game. No, yeah, he definitely is starting. Mane's definitely starting. Um, Sturridge, if I had to make a prediction, is not going to start two games in, what is it, four days? I don't think that'll happen. So I think he'll be on the bench. Probably. I'd like to see a 30-minute cameo from Solanke if we're up 3-0, which, God willing, we will be. I hope, we're, I hope we do win. I just hope we don't do it in the first half. <laughs> that's, that's my thing. I don't think Stoke has it in them to come back. No, Ooh. they don't. Wet, what's, windy Wednesday. What's um, what's what's uh, Buddy's name at the heart of their defense there? Um, who's what's his name at the heart uh, of their defense? Ryan Shawcross. Shawcross. Yeah. No. With that guy on the field, I don't know. No comebacks are, 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 are no. 
No, I don't like Ryan Shawcross. Okay, so 3-1. I'm going to go with a 2-0, actually. I think we'll keep the clean sheet against Stoke. Because it'll just go along with this wild back and forth. If we don't win against Stoke, we're not going to talk about it. I'm saying that right now. If we fucking lose against Stoke, we're not doing a second of podcast material on it. I will say one thing, though. If Jesse scores, I'm shutting the TV off. I don't care what minute we're in. It's not Hesse. It's Jesse. Okay? It's Jesse. They're jalapeno chips. Nobody says jalapeno. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's funny. But we need to clarify things. In Canada, we do not say jalapenos. Yes, we do. We That's yes, not actually yes, a thing we, we do. Yes, we do. We get in our, inglo- our igloos with our snowshoes and we eat jalapeno chips. A. If you listen to the Red Furnace podcast, if you listen to us, you're listening to this now, thank you very much. Much appreciated. We really, really do appreciate it. However, we do want you to tell everybody you know, your neighbors, your co-workers, people on the street. Um, the homeless guy on your way to work. Juco and I cannot promote ourselves enough. I think I've mentioned this before. We are not social media savants. We know very little about it. No, and we do not want to bombard your DMs and inboxes. But we will. Right. Just we definitely we, will. Because we want listeners. No shame. So, so please do tell everybody you know about it. If you like us, please retweet our tweets to get our word out there. We're on the Twitter at Red Furnace Pod, we're on the Instagram at Red Furnace Pod, and we are now even on the Facebook. The Facebooks. Facebook.com forward slash Red Furnace Pod. Red Furnace Pod and on we'll, all social media outlets. It's very simple. And we'll do our best not to make you wait more than five days between pods. That's that, that is that we is, talked about it. That yes. is what we're gonna try and do. Yes. And that is my apology to everyone who does listen, who has waited. That is my delay on my end, as we said, Jay-Z and babies. He's I'm having ha- a boy. I'm having a boy. He's having a boy. I'm having a boy. See you next week. Take care.